This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for April 20th, 2018. In this episode, we talk with Brian Burke of SellYourMac.com about how to make some extra cash by selling your used Mac and iOS devices and the security precautions to take when you do. Plus, Apple is preparing users for the day when older 32-bit applications will no longer run on the Mac OS. We'll go beyond the alert messages and discuss what you need to know about this important transition. The Intego Mac Podcast is presented by Intego, makers of security and utility software exclusively for Apple products since 1997. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. There's a lot of news this week, Josh, but I wanted to focus on one item that a lot of listeners may have encountered and not really understood. Apple made a recent update to macOS, and you may notice that when you launch some apps, you get a dialogue that says the name of the app is not optimized for your Mac. I'll link to an article on my blog where I have a screenshot of this. What Apple has done is that they have started warning people that 32-bit apps are not optimized for Mac OS and for their Mac. Now... These apps will still run for a while. Apple hasn't yet announced the cutoff date, at which point you won't be able to run 32-bit apps and only 64-bit apps. But I think it's important for people to understand that when they see this, it doesn't mean the app is dead or there's a problem with it, but that they need to find if there's an update for the app. Right. And the dialog box actually specifies this app needs to be updated by its developer to improve compatibility. That's that's what the message says. So you get this kind of scary warning dialog. And this this just started showing up in the most recent version of Mac OS. Is that right? Yeah. So it's interesting that Apple just now is starting to to uh, make users aware of this idea that they have and they're not calling it, you know, they're not saying, hey, this is a 32-bit app and you need to have a 64-bit app on this version of the operating system. Well, they don't want to confuse people because then they'd have to explain that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's basically, it's kind of a technical concept, but but 64-bit programs are able to um, to, to do things that 32-bit apps can't. And, and it's it gets very technical, but... It, it does. One of the main things is that they can use more memory. So, so Apple is really trying to push developers to, um, to, to have all of their apps be 64-bit apps. So you might see this when you launch an app. And, and in the example in my article, I show that the Kindle app is not optimized for 64-bit. But also an app like Apple's DVD player app is not optimized for my Mac anymore. Oh, now that's an interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, there are a number of Apple apps. So I explained in my article how to find 32-bit apps. You use the system report which you get to from the Apple menu about this Mac, and you get a list and you can sort a column that says 64-bit Intel, and they'll either say no or yes. So you can check now if you want. I did this and I found, for example, that the software for one of my scanners isn't up to date. And while it isn't a 64-bit version yet, there was a version that was a year later than the version that I was running. Because, you know, when software doesn't check for updates itself, you have to manually think about looking for an update. I'm still hung up on DVD player, which is an Apple official app that comes with your operating system is not 64-bit. Come on, Apple. What are you thinking? <laughs> now, DVD player, come on. Who has who still has a DVD drive? I assume you do because you were trying to use the DVD player app. No, I just I just looked through the list of apps that weren't 64-bit yet and found DVD player, among others. There are also a lot of Adobe apps. You know, Adobe may have 64-bit apps for Photoshop and Illustrator and all that. 
But there are a lot of apps under the hood that do all sorts of things for Adobe software, and most of those are still 32-bit. In any case, you don't need to worry now. As I said, Apple hasn't yet announced the cutoff. It's very possible that at this year's Worldwide Developer Conference, they will give a date, which I would think is going to be the release of the next operating system in the fall. But just be aware that when you see this dialogue, don't worry too much, but start planning ahead. One of my friends uses Quicken to manage his personal finances, and that's not compatible. And I think it hasn't been updated in several years. And he's wondering if he's going to keep an old Mac around just to, to run it. There are some apps that have basically been abandoned by developers, and developers aren't going to do all the work necessary to make them compatible. Yeah, and we've seen similar things happen before, um, notably the transition from PowerPC processors to Intel processors back in around 2006. That was a really big transition. And for a couple of years, Apple continued to allow you to run your old PowerPC processor apps, the apps that were designed to run on a G3 or G4 or G5 processor on your Intel Mac. In a sort of emulation mode. Exactly. And then they decided at one point, you know, well, we've got to cut the cord and, and let those things go. And so Apple kind of bridged that gap a, a little bit. Uh, in, in the transition from one processor architecture to another. And we kind of have a similar thing here where maybe if you've got some really specialized apps and you cannot live without them, the developer maybe isn't updating the app anymore or you know the company's gone out of business or who knows what, there may be some very specialized cases when you might need to consider hanging on to an old OS. Generally, we do recommend upgrading to the latest version of Mac OS as soon as it comes out, because that way you'll get all of the latest security enhancements that are included in that new operating system. Josh, I know that you have plenty of old Macs in your house that you can use with older operating systems. After the break, we're going to have Brian Burke, who's the president of SellYourMac.com, who's going to talk about how you can sell those Macs and get some money. As a security-conscious Mac user, one of the first things you probably install on a new Mac is security software from Intego. You probably tell your friends and family to do so as well. And here's something else you can tell them. Now's the perfect opportunity for first-time Intego users to get 60% savings on award-winning Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a full suite of outstanding Intego software and includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, probably in home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Intego, download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today, and then use the promo code Intego Podcast to save 60% at checkout. That's Intego Podcast to save 60% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Secure. This offer will be ending soon, so don't wait much longer. Save 60% on Mac Premium Bundle X9 or Mac Washing Machine Secure X9, or Mac Internet Security X9. Just use the promo code Intego Podcast at checkout. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. Percent on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. This offer will be ending soon, so don't wait much longer. Save 60% on Mac Premium Bundle X9. 
or Mac Washing Machine Secure X9 or Mac Internet Security X9. Just use the promo code Intego Podcast at checkout. Intego, devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. Today on this episode of the Intego Mac Podcast, we have a special guest. Brian Burke is the president of SellYourMac.com, a company that buys old Macs and iPhones and iPads. Brian, nice to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. This is good timing, although actually it's a little bit late because I just sold an iMac about three weeks ago. I had a late 2014 27-inch iMac. This was the first Retina iMac. And this is the first time I've kept a Mac as long as that, three and a half years. Usually I would sell my Macs after 18 or 24 months because that way that's kind of the sweet spot for the time to sell it. And then I'd buy a new one. Since I'm a Mac journalist, I kind of need more recent equipment. But in, in the past couple of years, there haven't been enough upgrades to, to justify it. But I did want to make sure that my current Mac was covered by Apple Care, at least the main Mac that I use for my work. So I went ahead and I bought a 21.5 inch iMac. I wanted to downsize a little bit. Now, this is your stock in trade here. People like me, isn't it? This is all I do. Buy and sell with consumers, uh, schools, businesses, you know, anyone that's upgrading their Macs, we can help out. And a lot of people don't even think about this. They end up stocking old computers in a closet or in a garage someplace. Unfortunately, that's the main place that people put things. It's drawers and closets. There's you know, tens of billions of dollars of devices just stored up right now, wasting away, not getting any value and not being renewed to go to that next user. And also not being recycled if they're too old to resell, right? Correct. You know, we recycle everything that we can't resell. We pull out any known good tested OEM parts, and then we use a zero landfill recycler, which means nothing will ever hit the landfill. Yeah. And that's great because, you know, people have I have some friends and colleagues who have like a drawer of phones, really old phones, and some of them could be usable, but most of them are just so old. And if they end up taking them to their local dump or, or tossing them in the trash, there's all sorts of chemicals that are going to leach into the, the, the environment, aren't there? I don't think most people realize that those batteries can really damage, you know, millions of gallons of water for a single battery hitting a hitting a river or the water supply. So it's super important they're recycled responsibly and really just being resold before they're too old. You know, by the time you've had them in your drawer for five or six years, I mean, I might be able to buy you a, a beer with the cash, but it's gonna be, that's going to be about it. <laughs> well, that's still better than nothing, right? Better than nothing. So how long have you been doing this? How long has SellYourMac.com been around? Almost nine years now. We started in late 2009, and it was really uh, trying to build another inbound sales channel to help people out when they're upgrading. And what prompted you to get started in this? I've always been buying and selling products on eBay, but Apple's been my true passion. So it was really a natural segue moving into the Apple market. You know, I bought a bunch of Macs at one point and I was able to sell them for profit. So I figured I could help out a lot of people, you know, use, having a service to have people trade their devices in and keeping these things at the landfills. And how many Macs have you bought so far in nine years? We have bought well over 100,000 devices. Wow, that's a lot. We paid out $18 million to our customers already. Okay. Now, Josh is the guy who doesn't really sell his stuff, right, Josh? Oh, boy, yeah. I'm, I'm one of those guys who has the, the two or three iMacs that are just kind of, uh, you know, still hooked up somewhere, <laughs> lying around the house. It's funny because I've actually sold all of my old iPhones because what I usually do is I sell it and then use the tiny little bit of money that I get from that and put it toward my 
new iPhone, but I haven't really been doing that with my iMacs. What are you doing with them? Are they actually serving a purpose? Um, I do have kids. And so, you know, one, one of my old iMacs is actually a Lime iMac, which I don't think I could get anything for at this point. 1999, I think. <laughs> but they're great to put a fishbowl in. <laughs> yeah. I used to yeah. have a fish tank one. Yeah. No proper filtration, though, so it didn't last too long. <laughs> but the thing is, when you have kids at home, it's useful to hand them down. I don't anymore. My son has grown up and flown the nest and he's working and he's got his own computers. That, that is the main use case I see when people keep them is usually the hand, handing it down to the family. Yeah. And of course, that means if they do that, they have to provide support for them. Um, you know, the, the parents or the grandparents or whatever. <laughs> Good thing you're a techie. Yeah. Now, that can be a challenge, though, because one of my old iMacs is actually a model that Apple is not probably going to be releasing any updates for. In fact, they already are not releasing new OS updates for. And so, you know, this this uh, coming September, when presumably Mac OS 10.14 will be coming out, 10.11, which is the maximum that that particular Mac can run, is probably not going to get security updates anymore. And so I, I need to look at what am I going to do with that device? You guys are pretty on the cutting edge of security, so I know that's a big, big thing for you. I love 10.11, though. <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's some nostalgia to go back to those more stable operating systems that don't have so much don't have so many features that just get confused all the time. Right. But a lot of people are in that situation. They don't realize that when they've got an older Mac like that, that it is actually risky. And they may only use it to surf the web and send email, but still, you need your security updates for that. Absolutely. So let's talk about my recent story. As I said, I had a late 2014 Retina 5K iMac. When I bought this, I tricked it out. I got the fastest processor and I got the best video card. And... This is something I'm going to recommend to anyone who buys a new Mac and who wants to eventually resell it down the line, because I was able to sell this for actually more than I had hoped to someone who bought it because of the video card, because they needed an iMac with a better video card than what you could get in general. Now, I sold this on eBay. It's a convenient way to sell, but sometimes it's a real pain. You know, they take their 10% cut. Shipping can be a hassle sometimes, but... Here's here's what's interesting. I'm in the UK, so we're in pounds, and I think this computer cost 2,300 pounds when I bought it three and a half years ago. How much do you think I sold it for on eBay? All right, so I was checking out the price that we can offer for your iMac, and also I'm trying to guess, you know, what exactly you sold it for on eBay. And my best guess is going to be around $1,300 is your sale. Yeah, I sold it for 1,200 pounds, so that's about 15-something with the exchange rate. And I, I expected to sell it for about a thousand, Sure. which frankly, for a three and a half year old computer, that's a lot of money, but it is a retina iMac. It's in great shape. And again, it had the fastest processor and the best video card. Yeah, that's, it's a really nice computer. Obviously, um, we would offer a thousand dollars for it. So kind of spot on to what you were thinking you were going to receive. Yeah. So I checked a couple of possibilities here in the UK. Unfortunately, you don't work over here. First, I went to Apple where you can trade in computers, right? And Apple will take Macs and PCs, and they work with a very, very big computer recycling company. I don't know who it is. So you enter the information, and you you say, does it start up and all that? Because basically, they're doing everything from recycling dead computers to buying working computers. And you get to the end, and you click on the button, and we are prepared to offer you zero pounds. 
<laughs> zero and you got 1500 us dollars <laughs> yeah so i went to another i just randomly searched on google and went to the first site that i could find and they were offering me 850 which is close to your thousand dollars who is my competition over there that you're seeing i was one of your competitors but you don't work over here so i i don't know to clarify we technically do but it's, it's much harder to work overseas. I mean, the shipping cost alone is a major deterrent. You know, most people don't have Macs they're trading quite as new as yours. So if you're selling an eight-year-old Mac that you're only getting, you know, $200 for, you definitely wouldn't spend $100 on shipping. Yeah. And your, yours being a 27-inch iMac, I mean, it would have been pretty expensive on the shipping. I would I would guess between $150 and $200. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even want to ship something like that internationally. Right. You have to insure it, and, you know, you never know what's going to happen. But... My my point earlier about buying the best Mac you can means that you're going to have more resale value at the end, right? Certainly. I mean, people look for, you know, very key configurations, you know, like that iMac you mentioned having that upgraded uh, video RAM. You know, if you have a larger SSD on some of these new MacBook Pros or the iMacs, that's definitely a major feature people are looking for. Brian, I, I think the biggest question that I have is... What's the advantage of going to a company like Sell Your Mac as opposed to just trying to sell it on your own on eBay? Mainly the hassles you're going to have trying to sell it on your own. You know, first of all, there's a lot of frauds that go on, on eBay. We see multiple frauds a day at our business that someone had their account hacked. So if you had had your account hacked and you shipped it off, you know, you're going to have a much harder time getting your money back from eBay. For selling it to us, it's really guaranteed you're going to get paid. We paid every single customer that's ever sent us an item. So it's the hassle-free experience. You know, we're doing customer service for you versus if you're selling on eBay, you're doing the customer service for someone else. And having that process extend out weeks, you know, if you had sold it in the first week, let's say, you still have to wait 21 days on PayPal just to get your money unless you're a top seller. So that that alone can really drag out the process if you need some cash back to make another purchase. Yeah, one thing that I've noticed on eBay, every time I'm selling something of value, whether it's a computer or a camera, you get some emails from people with sketchy English who ask, how much would you take if you sold it directly to me? I can pay you by PayPal. And of course, this is obviously a scam. And please, if you're out there in radio <laughs> land, don't ever fall for this. No direct payments on PayPal. Yes. Do everything through eBay. Yeah, because you, you've got you've got the double guarantee. You've got the eBay guarantee and the PayPal guarantee. But as you've said, I, I do actually sell a fair amount of stuff on eBay, but it always is a hassle. I sold a pair of really good desktop speakers a couple of weeks ago, and, and I've had them for like 15 years and I didn't get a lot for them. And it, it was more or less smooth, but you've got to get the right kind of box to pack things. You got to take them to wherever it's shipping. Sometimes you list something on eBay and if it's not a popular item, you're waiting months to sell it. Now, obviously you're not going to buy those desktop speakers, but with a computer, it's true that if you don't want the hassle, you know, I, I, for me, time is money. Exactly. This is my, in, in my case, it's my business. If I'm going to waste my time selling something, I'm not going to be working at that same time. And actually, on that point, that's one of the, the things that always bothers me about, you know, when I, when I want to go and sell something on a site like eBay, I always feel like, well, gosh, I got to put all this time into, you know, describing it correctly. I got to take all these pictures of it and make sure it's in the right lighting. And so it looks good and appealing. So someone will actually want to buy it. I got to, you know, I got to make sure that I'm putting all the specs up there. Oh, I I, prob I don't know if I should really 
show the serial number in the screenshot. Maybe I should blur that out. Oh, shoot. You know, th there's, there's a lot of things you've really got to consider if you want to just to list your own item. And so yeah. a lot of times I just don't even sell stuff because because it, it's a pain. It really is a hassle. Something as simple as those photos. Having bad photos could decrease your item by 20, 10, 20% in value. Yeah. And and you've got to find the exact specs. Yeah. And, and Josh, you said, you know, the serial number. So what I always do when I sell a Mac is I, as I go into the Apple menu and take a screenshot of the about this Mac window, but I blur out the, the serial number because, you know, maybe somehow someone's going to use that to get access to my account because it was registered with Apple Care or something. I'm always very skeptical about that. But you, it is a process. And, and most people don't know how to do that. They don't know how to take a screenshot, where to find the info, how to blur things or anything like that. A great job taking a screenshot of your about the Mac. That's something we always do in our listings to really ensure people know exactly what all the specs are. For, for the serial number, blurring it out, you know, I'm not really familiar with that being a problem. I do know that someone in theory could take over your Apple Care if they had all your information. But I think they would need your name and your address as well to make that happen. Well, imagine if they had previously bought something from me on eBay. They'd have my name and address. That is certainly possible, yes. <laughs> we're, 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 we're in security. We think about these things. So as I said earlier, I used to do this every 18 to 24 months. And I did it about six months for a 12-inch MacBook. And I think I got 650 pounds for a MacBook that cost 1,000 new. It was about 18 months old. And that's generally the price that I've gotten over time, about two-thirds of the value at 18 months. Is that, is that a fair estimate? That is. That is kind of the sweet spot, too, like you mentioned. I mean, if you want to get two-thirds of your money back, you got to sell it in, within two years. You know, you're selling it three years out, you're probably at 50%, and you know, every year after that, it's probably going down about 20% or so. So a few days ago, my accountant came over here to discuss some issues, and I was saying to her, okay, where do I enter this iMac that I sold in my accounts, right? And... I told her how much it cost and I told her how much I sold it for. And she looked at me as if, you know, you can actually sell a used computer for that much. And I said, yeah, it's a Mac, obviously. <laughs> I mean, the difference with PCs is is really, it's it's like night and day, isn't it? After four years of PC, you might as well recycle it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't do anything with PCs, do you? We really try to avoid PCs like the plague. You know, you guys being a <laughs> security company, you know of all the issues they're going to have with yeah. uh, the OS they have and um, all the all the attacks. So I really like, like to focus on the Macs. It's going to be a much better computer when I resell it for the end user. And I really like to have happy customers. I want to I want to delight them. So I don't want to send them a crappy PC. Yeah. So when the time comes for you to sell or recycle or even give away your Mac. There are a number of things that you have to do to prepare it. And I've got an article on the Mac security blog that I'll link to. But Brian, I'm sure you can tell people most of the same points that I've covered in this article. What do you do before you send the Mac to your company? There's a number of things you can do to make sure you are secure. You know, first you could wipe your own hard drive, which is really simple to do, but people think it's a, a much, much more tedious task than it really is. After that, you need to remove, you know, find my Mac or find my iPhone, depending on your device, and make sure there's no, you know, iCloud lock or anything on there. After that, you're pretty much ready to go. You don't have to clean it up or do anything special before you send it to us. So if someone doesn't know how to erase their hard drive, how certain can they be that you're going to get rid of all their data? Really 100% certain. You know, we're going to give them information on how to wipe ahead of time. If they can't do it or choose not to, the first step in our process is wiping the drive when it lands at our warehouse. 
And if we can't wipe it, you know, using our proprietary methods, we're going to then, you know, pull the hard drive out. We'll put it in an external case. If we can't wipe it at that point, we're actually going to smash the platter itself. So we're going to 100% guarantee there is no way your data is getting out. And, you know, if for some reason someone's able to hack your data off it in the future, you know, we do have insurance policies to cover that kind of thing, but it's never happened before. The, 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 the erasing the hard drive is really important for security, but things have gotten a lot easier. If you use FileVault, you actually don't have to erase it because it's encrypted and protected with a password. I erase it anyway, but I don't do one of those seven pass zero security erases that that people used to do when they didn't have an encrypted hard drive. Sure. And I think most of our customers do not use file vault. Is that something that you always recommend to people? Yeah. 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 Because, you know, particularly with a laptop, if you lose, if you forget your laptop in a Starbucks and there's no file vault, anyone can get in and reset the, the, the administrator's password and get to your files. And if someone steals your computer at home, you have problems. What, what's your feeling on using find my Mac to wipe your device versus having the file vault? Um, the problem with Find My Mac is that the computer has to be connected to Wi-Fi. So if someone steals the computer and doesn't connect it to Wi-Fi and it's not using FileVault, then they can access the data. So it, it's a good solution, but it's not ideal. Now, my son lives in Paris and his apartment was burglarized a couple years ago and he wasn't using FileVault. But he did wipe it with Find My Mac like, I don't know, six hours after it was stolen he wasn't too worried because there was no data on it that was really sensitive, but I think it's it's safer to use both. That makes sense. I mean, you can never be too safe, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm a belt and suspenders guy with security and backups. So let me just go through a few more of the points in my article. Before you give away your computer, you got to back it up. Use our Intego personal backup. Use Time Machine. Back it up twice because you never know if that backup drive is going to fail before you install onto the new computer. That would be very scary if you lost your life's data. <laughs> yep. Sign out of iCloud. You mentioned earlier, deauthorize your Mac with the iTunes store. Now, if you do use iTunes, you probably remember that there's only five computers that can be authorized to your account. And you can only deauthorize all of them. You can't deauthorize a single one. So always try to remember that. Now, there's also some software that has authorizations like that. And I never remember which apps require that. Microsoft. <laughs> Microsoft is one of them. I think Adobe, if you've got a Creative Cloud subscription. But there are other apps that do that as well. I use an app called ScreenFlow to make screencasts. And they have that same kind of system. It's, you know, two computers. So if you forget to deauthorize on one computer, then you've probably got to go through the technical support to get them to do it. And it's just a hassle. Yeah, you can save a lot of time, you know, removing your Microsoft stuff beforehand. So I think that's the main thing I hear from our clients is they're complaining after they transfer over their data that they can't use their Microsoft apps. The last and, and one of the most important things, probably more on an iPhone or an iPad, is to sign out of your iMessages account. That's a great suggestion. Yeah, because if you don't, you know, iMessage works in a funny way that it kind of it, with your telephone number, it manages to trap the number and root things. And, and, you know, we've all read these stories about people who moved to Android and couldn't get their um, SMSs because iMessages is kind of holding on to it. That's a good thing, though, right? They don't want people to be on Android. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, it's good unless you want to go for a cheaper phone. But so what about with an iPhone or an iPad? What do you do before you send it in? The main thing is removing Find My iPhone. That's the first step. And then, like you said, logging out of message is probably the next. What percentage of the devices you buy are Macs compared to iPhones or iPads? Majority are actually Macs. That's really the market we focus on the most. 
everyone in the world buys back iPhones. You know, you can sell them at Apple, Best Buy, your carrier on Craigslist. So we've really focused more on, on the Mac side, and we think we can deliver you know more value to people uh, through that channel. So I'd say it's about 75% Macs and 25% iOS. And how do you resell them? Do you resell them from your own website? We're going to in the future. We don't have an e-commerce portal set up there quite yet. We mainly sell on eBay, Amazon, and our retail store here locally in Cincinnati. Oh, you've got a retail store. Good. Yeah, it's kind of part of our space up here. You know, we have front office warehouse and a small little retail store. And we help about 20 customers a day in our store. Okay. And how many Macs do you have in stock on any given day? Thousands. Really? Okay. So this is like a a, a Mac bazaar. It's like Alibaba's <laughs> Mac cavern of goodies, isn't it? It is. Do, do some people come in looking for specific older Macs? Surprisingly, yes. I mean, someone will be like, I you know I have this data on this old, old, uh, you know, zip drive or whatever, and I need to connect it to an old Mac. So we do randomly get requests for some, you know, very old machines that we've been able to find and help people out with. Uh, most people, though, just come in not knowing really what they need. And they just say, hey, you know, I'm a college student. I need to be able to use Microsoft and, you know, music and photos. So we'll just recommend, you know, a basic basic MacBook Pro or something like that for that person. Wasn't there a Mac that you could get with an internal zip drive back in the day? Which one was that? Yeah, I had one. I actually had a, um, a Power Macintosh G3 tower and it came with a zip drive. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the default, but it was available. I remember the good old days of the zip drive, 100 megabytes on a, yeah. a fat floppy disk. Those were a beast. <laughs> they were. They were. But, the, you know, when we were used to dealing with, what, 1.4 gigabyte, uh, gigabyte, 1.4 megabyte floppy disks, um, having a zip drive was awesome. I was backing up all my work archives on one <laughs> disk. It was amazing. It's a hilariously small amount of data now. That's like 10, 10 seconds on an iPhone video. <laughs> it is, right? So... How do you convince people that maybe they should sell that Mac instead of holding on to it? Because, you know, as we said earlier, 18 to 24 months really is the sweet spot. And to me, it's always seemed that why would I just let it sit in a closet and lose value? Sure. We're not really going out trying to convince people. It's really when people are, are ready. You know, we don't want to push you to sell your Mac if you, you can't afford to buy another one or not ready to upgrade. So really, it's just when you're ready for a service to make it simply hassle-free to upgrade, then we step in. You know, it's usually mainly through Google search people are finding us. So it's right when they're uh, at the point um, of intent that they're going to find us. So if you're out there and you've got an old Mac in your house and you don't need it, check out SellYourMac.com. Save yourself some time and make some money. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. We would love to help you guys out. And yes, do not waste your time and time is money, so we'd make sure it's a smooth process for you as long as in your Apple gear. Thanks for having me, guys. You guys are awesome. Look forward to you know talking more security with you guys in the future and making sure everyone's having a great Apple experience. Thanks so much, Brian. So if you do want to sell your Mac, check out sellyourmac.com slash Intego, and you'll get a $10 bonus. This is good for items worth $25 or more. Hey, Kirk, have you heard of trust jacking? No, that one's new to me. Well, guess what? We're going to be talking about that on next week's episode. It's a it's a new attack that was just announced at RSA conference, and we have a lot we're going to be discussing about it. I look forward to it. Until then, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. Be sure to get every episode by subscribing at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. Links to the topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at intego.com slash podcasts. 
The Intego website is also where to find details on Intego security and utility software. Intego.com.